Welcome to the Healthy Podcast presented by Melrose Wakefield Healthcare. My name is Rob Branya, and I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Philip Gray, a radiation oncologist with Melrose Wakefield Radiation Oncology and Tufts Medical Center Community Care. Dr. Gray, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Today we're talking about radiation oncology, which is a field with a fascinating history. So if we could just jump right in, can you give us a quick overview of just what radiation oncology is and what it does, and then maybe we can talk about some of the amazing ways that it has advanced over the years. Of course. So radiation oncology, as the name would suggest, is using radiation, which in most cases is x-rays, in the treatment of cancers. Now, that's not entirely true. Radiation oncologists do occasionally treat benign diseases, things uh, such as keloids, which are a type of scar, or even things like warts. But for the most part, uh, radiation oncologists are treating patients who have a diagnosis of one cancer or another. And how exactly does it work? Um, you know, just from the name, you can tell that radiation is being used. So, so how does that all, all work in, in the treatment piece of it? We typically use machines which generate x-rays um, or other types of radiation uh, to treat uh, cancers. The way radiation works is by damaging the DNA of cancer cells. And by damaging their DNA over time, we cause the cell to essentially self-destruct. Um, there are ways that we can design the radiation to protect the normal cells, which we all have, um, while damaging the cancer cells. And that's what makes radiation work, is the fact that we can damage the cancer more than the rest of the body. So how did researchers and physicians uh, come up with the idea? I mean, was there always, did they always see some curative value in radiation? Or how did that work? Were they just sitting around a table and said, hey, let's try this? Yeah, well, the, the history of radiation, as you said, is very fascinating. It really dates back to about 1895, when a German physicist named Wilhelm Rankin developed x-rays. And you may have uh, seen in, in textbooks or seen on the internet a picture of him in his hand with a big ring on it, the very first x-ray that was ever taken. But it was his development of x-rays that, that really launched the entire field. And it was within just a few months after his seminal paper on the topic that people started using these x-rays, these new uh, types of waves and particles to treat uh, diseases. Now, initially, uh, the type of x-ray machines that were developed were very low energy. And so they really couldn't push those x-rays much past the outer skin layers. And so because of that, the early treatments, which were known as therapy after him, uh, were used to treat things that were at the skin level, but not really cancers. Primarily, it was used to treat things like excessive hair growth, uh, benign lesions of the skin, even things like ringworm, and sometimes the rashes that people would get uh, with diseases like lupus. Um, the, the field was uh, further increased by the discovery of radium in 1898 uh, by Pierre and Marie Curie. Um, and that allowed us to use a solid source of material to produce these x-rays. Um, and that uh, then was going on to develop uh, and used in many types of cancers. And to this day, we use certain types of radioactive isotopes in the treatment of, of various cancers. It really is amazing. And um, so how are you sure that you're not 
giving radiation to the wrong parts of the bodies when you're going after a tumor. I understand that over the years you've been able to sort of pinpoint, but uh, how exactly does all of that work? Yeah, it very much depends on the tumor we're treating and its location. Um, it is sometimes difficult to avoid the surrounding normal tissue. Uh, well, not impossible, but sometimes uh, organs uh, that the cancer is within are right up against another tissue, and it is simply not uh, a possible to completely avoid them. The way that we're able to get around that is we have a good understanding of what each tissue in the body can repair in terms of their damage from radiation. Certain tissues are more sensitive to radiation, tissues like the spinal cord or the small bowel. Other tissues are relatively insensitive to radiation, such as large blood vessels or bones. Um, and so uh, because of that, we can design a radiation plan that gets the amount of radiation into the tumor that we want to get, but doesn't overdose those structures um, more than they should be. And when is radiation a better treatment option, or maybe I should say the most appropriate treatment option, than things like surgery or chemotherapy? That's a very good question, and it very much, again, depends on the type of cancer that we're talking about. Some cancers, um, a prostate cancer is a good example of that, uh, radiation is a good alternative to surgery. Um, it has the same outcomes as surgery and can be used uh, in, in, pl in place of surgery. Um, sometimes, and this is a little less common, uh, radiation is used in place of chemotherapy, and testicular cancer might be an example of that particular uh, difference. Um, but in most cases, when we're talking about using surgery, radiation therapy, and chemotherapy, we're often using two or all three together. Um, and that is certainly true for diseases like breast cancer, uh, diseases like esophageal cancer, or rectal cancers, or lung cancers. Oftentimes, we need more than one treatment in order to uh, offer the patient a chance of cure. Um, sometimes radiation plays the major role. Sometimes it plays a supportive role. Um, sometimes it's delivered along with chemotherapy. Sometimes it's delivered by itself. So it just uh, is very dependent on the particular type of disease um, and whether radiation uh, should be used for that particular type of cancer. And are there particular side effects that come specifically from radiation therapy? It, yes, there are. And of course, it depends on what area we're irradiating. Um, you know, like surgery, radiation is an anatomically directed therapy. Um, so if we are treating certain areas, it may have uh, issues related to the areas that are overlapping. Um, radiation burns are kind of a thing of the past. Again, that was sort of back in the day when our radiation machines didn't work, uh, didn't push the radiation as deeply as they do now. The skin received a lot of radiation. We still do see skin reactions as uh, a consequence of radiation. That's often in the treatment of patients with breast cancer because, of course, the breast tissue lies right underneath the skin. Um, but we see that less and less than we did previously. Um, radiation can certainly cause things like nausea or or diarrhea if you're treating in the area of the bowel. Uh, most of the side effects of radiation are in the uh, acute uh, treatment phase are manageable with medications or other interventions. Let's talk a little bit about where you're practicing at Melrose Wakefield Radiation Oncology. Um, it's located in Stoneham, Mass., north suburban Boston. Um, patients typically come from the suburban areas around here. Um, and my understanding is that patients typically come for radiation treatment uh, for numerous brief visits uh, over an extended period of time. Can you sort of talk about, you know, when they come in and, and how all of that 
uh, works. Yeah, and that approach, which is known as fractionated radiotherapy, dates all the way back to the early days when we're looking at the history again. A, a French uh, uh, physician named Henry Coutard in 1922 first described the use of fractionated radiation to treat uh, cancers of the larynx. And we realized that by splitting the radiation dose up into these tiny little pieces that are delivered every day, often for many weeks, um, that the effect on the normal tissues was diminished while the effects on the tumor remained. And so that is often the case for uh, many of the cancers that we treat. We continue this process of splitting that radiation dose up into many pieces. Of course, that means the patient has to come in on a daily basis, typically five days a week, uh, to get their radiation treatments. The individual treatments are fast, about 10 or 15 minutes. Um, the patient will come in, lie on our radiation machine's table, um, the machine will do a little dance around them. It will make some buzzing noises. It's quite like getting an x-ray because that's quite literally what it is. Um, and then about 10 or 15 minutes later, they go about their business for the day. Uh, but it does require them to come in for those daily treatments. And some courses of radiation can last up to nine weeks. So having a, a place to come in the community so folks don't have to travel into downtown Boston for their treatments, you know, come in every day you know, five days a week, um, spend money for parking and, and, you know, the time that it takes to get there. Um, this is offered right here in the community. Um, can you talk a little bit about the some more of the benefits of, of having care right there in the community? Yeah, and, and the free parking is only half-jokingly. It really is uh, quite amazing what they charge for parking at some of the downtown hospitals. Uh, no, but having this community site, I think, is of great value to the community. Uh, having previously uh, trained and, and also been on staff at one of the large downtown hospitals, um, you understand how difficult it can be, particularly for patients with cancer who might otherwise be infirm um, or very sick because of other treatments or just because of the nature of the disease, for them to drive an hour, fight traffic, and then have to work their way through a huge medical center. Our center, being so conveniently located to the community, allows patients to come in and come out without having to deal with traffic and parking issues, um, and allows them to have a home where they can get top-notch level care for their disease without having to travel into one of these large urban academic centers. And it's important to realize that um, even though we think of these big cancer centers down in Boston, we're very lucky to have them. They do a lot of great work. Um, but really, only about 10 to 15% of cancer care occurs in these kind of centers. The vast majority of cancer care occurs here in the community. And so uh, we're very happy to offer that service uh, to our community surrounding Stoneham. So when people come in for this treatment, they're only here for a short amount of time. Do they have the rest of their day back or, uh, you know, or, or do they need to go home and rest or, or how, what happens after the treatment? Again, it depends on the disease, but for the most part, yes. Once they leave the radiation facility, they, there really are no restrictions. They can go about their normal business for the day. Sometimes for patients who are receiving chemotherapy along with their radiation, there will be longer days where they'll have their chemotherapy that may need to be delivered over several hours, um, and that can take up a lot of their day. Uh, but most of our patients who are coming in, they come in, they get their treatment, and they go home. So what's next in radiation oncology? That's a really great question. And it very much uh, plays into uh, the way that our technology has advanced over the last few years. As our radiation technology has improved, we not only have shortened the length of time patients need to come in for radiation, but we've increased the precision to an extreme level. 
uh, one of the really fascinating new advances in radiation oncology is a technique called stereotactic body radiotherapy, SBRT. It also goes by a, a more interesting uh, acronym, S-A-B-R, SABR, stereotactic ablative body radiotherapy. This is an extremely high precision technique which allows us to put in whopping doses of radiation into very small and precise areas with millimeter level accuracy. So that would allow us to treat, say, an early stage lung cancer in four or five treatments instead of over a period of six to seven weeks. Um, that high level of precision is really where the field is going and is allowing us to deliver really focused doses of radiation while ignoring those surrounding normal tissues because they're not even in the way. Um, and that really is where radiation oncology is going, is that high level of precision. And it's not only treating tumors um, where they started, but treating patients who are, have early spread of their disease. And we used to think of this as something which was not curable, not something that we could correct. And we would use chemotherapy to help these patients to control the disease for some period of time, but inevitably it would always come back. As our chemotherapy drugs have improved in their efficacy, uh, what we are seeing is that patients are living a long time, sometimes years, even with cancer that has spread. Um, but little tumors are popping up in a few places. And that is what radiation is uh, being used to tackle, is those pinpoint areas where tumor is not responding to the treatment. We take those areas out with radiation. The rest of the cancer responds well to the chemotherapy, and the patients can continue living on long, healthy lives even in the setting of cancer, which has spread uh, to many parts of their body. Um, there's a lot of uh, very interesting technologies on the horizon using um, things like real-time uh, MRI guidance to track the way we deliver radiation therapy, um, and just improving the speed with which we deliver treatments. And, and that's something we've seen even in just the last few years, where it used to be patients with breast cancer would need six weeks of radiation, and most patients now are only getting four, and we're continuing to shrink that down. So this has been fascinating. Um, radiation oncologist Philip Gray, this has been a great talk. Thank you for being here. It's been my pleasure. If you've enjoyed this podcast or have feedback for us or want to suggest future topics, please send us a note at community at melrosewakefield.org. The Healthy Podcast is co-produced by Melrose Wakefield Healthcare and Wakefield Community Access Television. For more health information, listings, or future community events and lectures, or to find a doctor, visit melrosewakefield.org. All content heard on the Healthy Podcast was created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. 